Amen, Stephen. Thank you so much, and thank you for the welcome. Thank you for allowing me to come and share. Thank you to the rest of the team. It's a real privilege, actually. I enjoy getting around different Elim churches every other week. I tend to visit a, a different Elim church, and then my home base is in Worcester, so it's not too far away from here where we get to do church in community and be part of a congregation ourselves. But for those who don't know, we, we have 550 Elim churches around the UK. And uh, God is alive and well. Uh, and when we see um, new life and growth and come to towns like Tamworth and see people going for it in the name of Jesus, reaching out to the communities, coming together to, to worship, but taking what they learn here and, and taking it to their workplaces and communities, I, I'm encouraged and I hope you're encouraged too. We're going to turn to uh, the book of Colossians in, in the New Testament. It's a letter, a real letter written by a real person at a real time to a real group of people that we get to engage with this morning and ask the question, what can we learn? Paul, the Apostle Paul, was writing to the Colossians. They were believers and he was helping them to grow in their Christian faith, really answering the question, what does it mean to be a kingdom living Christian? Now that you've signed up, now that you've said, I am a follower of Christ, what does it really mean to live for Christ in that kind of context and that generation? So I wonder if we could uh, read a passage of scripture together. We're going to look from verse um, 12 of Colossians 3 through to verse 17. I'll read it to us and then I'll explain a little bit of the context. And then we're going to focus on one verse particularly um, later on in the message. So verse 12 through to verse 17, it says this. Since God chose you to be the holy people he loves, you must clothe yourselves with tender-hearted mercy, kindness, humility, gentleness and patience. Make allowances for each other's faults. Forgive anybody who offends you. The Lord forgave you, so you must forgive others. Above all, clothe yourselves with love, which binds us together in perfect harmony and let the peace that comes from Christ rule in your hearts. I've lost my place. For as members of one body, you are called to live in peace and always be thankful. Let the message about Christ in all its richness fill your lives. Teach and counsel each other with all the wisdom he gives. Sing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs to God with thankful hearts. And whatever you do or say, do it as a representative of the Lord Jesus Christ, giving thanks through him to God the Father. Now, your version might be slightly different from mine. I'm reading from the New Living Translation, but you'll get the, the, the theme that's trying to be communicated in this particular letter. But let me give you, if we were watching a DVD, this is kind of the bonus edition, okay? This is just some of the kind of director's notes. What was going on in this story when Paul was writing to the, um, the, the Church of Colossae? Well, he's giving them some encouragements. How do you get to live for Christ today? And I don't know about you, but sometimes I need a little bit of encouragement. I decided to become a Christian when I was, when I was young. I made a recommitment to live for Jesus when I was a teenager. But still today, I still need some encouragement. Maybe when someone cuts me up on the motorway or the queue's a bit too long in Tesco's. I need some encouragement. How do I live a holy life? 
How do I live God's way? And, and Paul here gives four very quick, I'm going to go so quickly because this isn't the message, this is the additional material. Four encouragements of how we get to live for God in today's world. First one, verse 13. Have a quick look. It says, make allowances for each other's faults. We forgive others because Christ forgave us. We get to be forgiving people. As, as the church in Tamworth, when people do us wrong, we get the privilege of forgiving them. Because Christ forgave us and we follow his example. What better motivation do we need? Second one, his peace rules in our hearts. You can look at the news clips we've just been seeing over in Africa, Mozambique, Malawi. We can look at the constant barrage of Brexit crisis and what's going to be happening. And you know, It's very easy for our hearts to be in turmoil, and yet we've been called to be people of peace. Let the peace of Christ rule in our hearts. Take charge of our lives. Third thing, his word dwells in us. God himself, the word, is in each one of us. We carry him wherever we go. Not just the knowledge of him, but the person himself is in us. And the fourth thing, his name, verse 17, his name is our identification. We get to represent Jesus. We are his representatives in the world. We are little Christs, Christians, wherever we go. Final bit of extra information before we get to the verse we want to look at this morning. Um, what Paul is kind of saying, it's, it's that kind of springtime. I don't know if it's springtime in our house. We start having a clear out. Yeah, There are certain things in our house we try to get out of the house because we want to make space because it's a new season. And my wife will kind of normally put a whole load of bags and boxes and say, take that to the jumble sale or take that to the charity shop or let's get rid of some of this stuff because there's a new season coming we need to get rid of the old stuff. Anyone else do that or is it just me? Yeah? And I'm the one packing the car and taking it all away. Well, Paul was kind of saying that to the church of Colossae. There are certain things you used to do before you followed Jesus you need to get rid of. We didn't read these verses, but you can have a look at them. Verse 5 to 11. And it uses phrases like this. Put off bitterness. Get rid of envy. Get rid of unforgiveness. There are certain things that shouldn't feature in our lives anymore. Take them to the charity shop. Put them on the bonfire. Get rid of them. In fact, he uses really strong language in verse 11. Put to death. These things shouldn't feature in our life. And then from verse 12 onwards, which we've just read, he encourages us to put on some new things. We get some different garments to wear. We get to clothe ourselves with kingdom life. We get to wear gentleness, humility, peace, patience, love, kindness. We get to wear some new clothes. So you get the idea. Paul is speaking to the church. Things you used to do, get rid of. Things that I'm giving you, you need to wear to represent me in this world. Then we get to what I think is part of the climax of this chapter. Um, whatever you do or say, verse 17, hopefully it's going to appear on the screen behind me here. Whatever you do or say, do it as a representative of the Lord Jesus Christ, giving thanks through him to God the Father. 
Well, the first word that's highlighted on the screen behind you is an interesting word, whatever. Whatever you do or say, I've got a theory, this is my theory, and hopefully you can bear with me as I share it with you. It's okay to do whatever when it's the whatever you want to do, yeah? So if I say to my son, it's time to go and play football, he doesn't take much persuading. If I say to him, it's time to empty the dishwasher, a little more persuasion. Time to spend some of your pocket money on your mum's birthday, lots of persuasion, yeah? See, it's okay to do whatever when it's the whatever you want to do, but when you don't want to do that whatever, how do you do whatever? Do you get what I'm saying? You see, there's some things in life I find really, really easy to do because they're the things I want to do. But living the Christian life doesn't mean we get to do everything we want. There are certain times that we need to do whatever when it's not the whatever we want to do. So how do we do whatever? Paul was writing to this particular church and he'd already had a difficult time to put it mildly. He'd been shipwrecked, he'd been imprisoned, he'd been flogged, he'd been falsely accused. His life hadn't gone to plan the way he would have picked it or designed it at the beginning, yet he's still able to write to the church, whatever goes on in life, whatever you do, whatever circumstances you find yourselves in, how do we do whatever when it's not the whatever we want to do? So I was uh, telling Stephen before, I, I worked for Youth for Christ for 17 years. Most of my working life was working for this particular organisation. And I, I came to the end of those 17 years. I was about to start working with Elim. And um, I wanted to finish really well. I decided that I was going to finish by, on the last day of work, rather than getting a paycheck for all of the work I'd done, for the last month, I wanted to give them the equivalent back. I just thought it'd be a really nice thing to do. I felt it was something God challenged me to do. So I didn't have enough money to do it. So I thought I'd better raise some money. So I started training to run a marathon. Uh, I'm not particularly a runner. I run a little bit and, and I was trying really hard. I, I set the Chester Marathon as my target. And everywhere I, re I went, I asked people to sponsor me. And I was doing quite well. I, I'd raised over, and this was far more than I ever got paid, I'd raised over £5,000. And you know the excitement was building inside of me because on the last day of work I was just going to be like grinning from ear to ear and give them a cheque and say thank you for investing in me, thank you for, for taking a risk on me. You know, I, I just felt really excited and it got three days before the marathon. I'd ran over 400 miles preparing for this race and I felt like I was ready to go. I, I, I parked the car and I was typing some numbers into the cash point to draw some money out. My son was in the car and unfortunately I was a bit distracted and I left the handbrake off the car. As I was typing numbers in, the car just rolled behind me. I didn't realise. Thankfully there were some concrete ballards just behind my legs because otherwise the car would have gone straight through me and taken my legs out. But I heard this crunch, and I turned around and saw the car had just hit, hit the ballards, and it, it bounced back a little bit. And because I'd been training, I felt like I was like the Incredible Hulk. And I had the ability to stop a two-ton car with my foot. So I put my foot on the bumper of the car, and it crunched between the bumper and the concrete post, and my foot went... Oh. 400 miles of training. 
£5,000 and I didn't raise a penny. In fact, I spent the last three months working for Youth for Christ, sat on my sofa doing nothing. It wasn't the whatever I would have picked. You see, I had the best plans, but different plans came along and it wasn't the way I wanted life to go. I don't know if you can identify with that. Yeah, certain things in life, health, financial challenges, relationships that don't quite work out the way we want. They're not the whatevers we would have picked. And it's so easy at those moments to say, to quote my teenagers, whatever. Why am I even doing this Christian life? I thought God was supposed to be on my side. I thought God was supposed to be with me in those circumstances. Well, what does Paul say? He says, clothe yourselves with gentleness. Clothe yourselves with humility. Put on some kingdom garments to represent me in those circumstances of life. You see, when relationships cause us a challenge and our job doesn't go to plan, when the finances aren't what we would have expected them to be, when all isn't well, this is what it says. Make allowances for each other's faults. Forgive anyone who offends you. Remember, the Lord forgave you, so you must forgive others. In other words, there's a different way of thinking. It's not about, well, my life hasn't worked out. It's about, I've got an opportunity to do something differently. When I came to work in a theological college, I have to be honest, there were moments where I thought people were just going to be trying to get clever in the name of Jesus, yeah? So it wasn't going to be about what they could do for God. It was just about training their brains to get a little bit more clever in Greek and Hebrew and and other things. I couldn't have been further from the truth. I came across one young woman uh, two years into the role. The situation was this. We had a student who was married with three children. He had to work in order to fund his studies. And um, he was working at the college, but unfortunately he had a bad back. And he found himself in a situation where he had to have an operation, which meant for six months he wasn't going to be able to work. This young woman came up to me and said, because he's not able to work, can I have his job? And I thought that was slightly opportunistic, but somebody had to take the role. She took the role. For six months, she worked every single shift that he would have been rotated to do. Every penny she earned, she gave to him and his family. That's a whatever life. That's a life that says, I'm not in this for what I can get out of it. I'm in this world now as a follower of Christ to live life differently. And when the circumstances of life aren't the circumstances I would have picked, I could just be bitter, I could just be envious, I could be jealous of everybody else, I could go back to those comfortable clothes that used to fit so well, that made me feel angry and kind of self-righteous, or I could reach into this wonderful wardrobe that God has for me of gentleness and patience and peace and love and humility, and I could live life differently. I want to encourage you this morning, not just to sign up to that name Christian, but really make it a reality in your life. We didn't just become a Christian 10 years ago, 5 years ago, last year, last week. We live out our Christian faith, whatever the circumstances we find ourselves in. So whatever you do or say, Paul goes on to say, do it as a representative of the Lord Jesus Christ. 
The good news is that I, that you, get to represent Jesus every single day of our lives. We get to represent Jesus when the sun is shining and life is going well. We get to represent Jesus in our parenting, in our relationships. We get to represent Jesus when no one's looking. We get to represent Jesus in our integrity, our peacekeeping, in our harmony on the good days, the bad days, the busy days, the quiet days. We get to represent Jesus Christ. Paul puts it this way, represent by wearing tender-hearted mercy, kindness, humility, gentleness, patience, peace and love. It's like God has given us this wonderful walk-in wardrobe that we get to reach all of these clothes and say, I get to wear this. Despite the circumstances of life, I get to wear humility. I get to wear gentleness. I get to wear patience, peace, love, to represent Jesus in this world. About five years ago, I had the privilege of taking some time out in Africa, Central Africa, I went to a place called Uganda and I spent some time in Kampala, which is the capital city of Uganda. Did a whole host of projects with a number of organisations, but whilst I was there, I spent some time with Tear Fund. And Tear Fund said to me, would it be possible on a Saturday morning to get up really early and go and speak, preach to some Ugandan boxers? And I thought that was a strange request, but I did. I got up 5.30 in the morning. We headed off to this slum area in the centre of Kampala. And I was going to preach to these guys, but they didn't want to hear me preach until they'd done their training session. So for two hours, they were running up hills and they were walking down hills. They were punching each other. They were swinging tyres around. They were doing all sorts of things to prepare their bodies because they were committed boxers and they wanted to be great at what they did. Now, I was a little bit scared because these guys were really big guys. A number of them were Muslim guys, and I thought, how are they going to take what I'm going to say? So I thought the best way to earn some credibility with some Ugandan boxers is to have a go boxing with them. <laughs> so this isn't me. I'm taking a picture. This is my mate. I let him go first. <laughs> I, uh, we decided to put on some boxing gloves and, and have a go, you know, because we thought that they're going to listen to us a little bit more, if that's the case. So... So um, I, I'm standing there, I picked the smallest guy, his name's Roger, he was 17 years old, he was dressed in black, he was, he was so thin and he was a lot smaller than I was and I thought this is going to be fine, no problem at all, I've never boxed before but I know how they stand and everything's going to be great. I've never seen anybody's hands move so fast, <laughs> in fact I felt them on my face as he took every opportunity to whack me as hard as he could. And after 30 seconds, I pulled these boxing gloves off, I threw them on the floor in disgust, and I said, surrender, game over. I'm not going to do this anymore. When I got my breath back, and I, I sat down next to Roger, he spoke really good English, and I said, Roger, compared to me, you're pretty good. <laughs> but how good are you really? And this is where I realised I'd been stitched up completely. He said to me, I I'm looking forward to representing Uganda in the Commonwealth Games. <laughs> Made me feel a little bit better. So I was desperate from that moment to see Roger step into the ring and do his thing, you know, against a real boxer. Now he'd been trained by me. How good was he going to be? 
And sure enough, in Glasgow, um, I was looking through the TV listings and I wanted to see Roger do his thing. And he steps into the, the blue corner to fight against a South American boxer. After 20 seconds, this happened. Roger took a blow to the face that kind of knocked him pretty much senseless. And after two minutes, Roger's Commonwealth Games was over. I haven't been back to Uganda, but if I did, and I found Roger, and I had the confidence to ask him this question, Roger, was it really worth it? Getting up at six o'clock in the morning, running around in 40 degrees heat, training me, you know, all of those things, was it really worth it? All of the money that you spent to fly around the world, was it really worth all of the effort? I think Roger would be grinning from ear to ear, and he would say this, I got the opportunity to represent my country in the Commonwealth Games for two minutes. <laughs> Guys, we don't get two minutes or two weeks or two years or 20 years. You and I, get this into our heads, get a lifetime to represent the King of Kings and creator of the world. Whatever we do, wherever we go, when we're eating our meal after our Sunday service, when we go into work on a Tuesday afternoon, when somebody hides our pencil in college or school, when our work colleagues do our heads in, if that's a phrase around here, yeah? We get to represent Jesus. How are you representing him? What clothes are you wearing to represent the King of Kings today? Well, I want to choose humility I want to choose gentleness. I want to choose forgiveness. I want to choose patience. I want to choose peace. I want to represent Jesus in this world. I didn't just sign up to it a few years ago. It's the choice I make every single day of my life to represent him. You know, as I travel around different churches and People often ask me, how can we reach our town for Jesus? How can we see our church grow? What could we do to make a real difference? I'm convinced the answer's simple, but it's really hard to do. The answer's simple, it's just this. Every single person choose today, I'm going to represent Jesus wherever I go. Whatever the circumstances, I'm just going to be his agent, his representative in the world. When people see me, they get a glimpse of Jesus. And if each of us chose to live our lives that way, we'd be starting more building projects. We'd be planting more churches because people would be desperate to say, what is it about you? Despite the circumstances, the whatevers of life, you're still able to represent Jesus in this world. I want to encourage you to take seriously that responsibility to be his representative. The conversations, the relationships, the interactions you have. <laughs> But Paul goes on and he says this, whatever you do or say, do it as a representative of the Lord Jesus Christ. But he finishes with this phrase, always be thankful, giving thanks in all circumstances. The, the, the verse we read before says, doesn't it? Um, whatever you do or say, do it as a representative of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks through him to God the Father. But right through Colossians 3, six references to thankfulness. Again and again, it keeps coming up. Paul saying, oh, by the way, be thankful. Don't forget to be thankful. Always be thankful. 
I wonder if thankfulness is the key to representing Jesus whatever the circumstances of life. You see, I could come to Tamworth on a Sunday morning when the sun's shining and say, don't forget to represent Jesus whatever's going on. And you might walk away saying, oh, it's going to be really hard. But I think Paul has given us a clue. He's given us an idea of what we can do to represent Jesus in the world. Let's remember that we need to be people of thankfulness. You see, when we, we posture ourselves with an attitude of thankfulness, the circumstances of life seem to change. And he gives us this challenge, always be thankful. Now, that might just sound like a lot of hard work to you. If you're not the optimistic type, you might think, how can I always be thankful? Surely there's sometimes I can be miserable. Well, Paul's saying, no, always be thankful. My son is now 22. He's serving in the army. He's, um, he's quite a di disciplined, determined guy. But when he was in secondary school, he went through the first year, year seven of secondary school, and he didn't miss one day. He went to school every single day, like most kids should do, but he, he wasn't off ill. And at the end of the year, they gave him a cheque for £10 and said, congratulations for going to school. Now, I didn't realise he got paid for going to school. But anyway, that, that's what happened in his school. So he made a mental note to himself. If I go to school for five years and don't miss any days, how much money are they going to give me then? So he made a decision, but he didn't tell his mum and dad that he wasn't going to miss a day of school. Personal decision. Year seven, year eight, year nine, year ten. Josh didn't miss a day. There were days he had the flu and we said stay in bed and he just dragged himself off to school. He was, he was determined, personally determined to do something. He got to April year 11 and he got glandular fever and never went to school again. <laughs> this is the point I'm making. You could make a decision today. I'm always going to be thankful, God. I'm always going to do that thing that you've just challenged me to do. And you kind of make this kind of resolution, this personal decree to always do something. But doing it in our, in our own strength is always going to leave us flat on our face. You see, this isn't just about setting a new resolution. This is about connecting with the heart of God and allowing him to transform us inside out. So thankfulness is our first response. This isn't about something more I have to do. This is about being rewired and recognising that even in the difficult times of life, that there's a resource that I can draw on from heaven that can enable me to even be thankful in those times, in those circumstances and in those situations. Remember, Paul's in prison writing this letter. He's not kind of on the top of a hill enjoying a nice latte, looking down over Staffordshire. He's changed to a guard, and yet he's able to write the words, always be thankful. It got me thinking, maybe you and I need to start thinking, how can we train our spiritual muscles of thankfulness? How can thankfulness be our natural response how do we connect with God so actually, rather than being bitter and jealous and envious of others when their life's going well and ours isn't, actually we can be thankful for them and everything God's doing in their life and blessing them with. Let me tell you one more story just to kind of bring this to a conclusion. I was training for the same race I was telling you about earlier. 
And uh, I was on holiday in France and I was staying in a caravan and I decided that I was just going to do whatever my phone told me to do. So if it said run five miles today, that's what I did. If it said 12 miles, that's what I did. So this particular morning, it says run five miles. So I stepped out of the caravan very early in the morning and I started running. When Frank, who was also in the same campsite, shouted over to me and says, Dave, can I come with a run for a run with you? So I said, okay, Frank, but I was slightly surprised he wanted to run. You see, Frank was still young, about 62 years old, but he struggled with arthritis. And I've seen him walking around, and I know he struggled to walk, and when he sat down, it took him ages to stand up, and I thought, I'm not sure if Frank's going to be able to keep up with me on this run. So I said to him, very kindly, Frank, of course you can come with me, but I might need to go a bit faster at a few points. We set off on our run. We were a mile into the run and Frank turns to me and says, I thought you wanted to go fast and disappeared off. <laughs> now here's 40 something year old Dave chasing down 62 year old arthritic Frank, <laughs> thinking there's no way I'm gonna finish this race and admit to my wife and kids that I've got beaten. So I'm chasing him, I'm chasing him down. It takes me right until the very end of the five miles and I just about catch up with Frank and we get back to the campsite together I look shattered, he looks like he's just had a shower. And I'm thinking to myself, how on earth can you run so fast? So when I got my breath back, I turned to Frank. I said, Frank, I, I know you well. I know you're struggling in your, your muscles and your bones and your body and your joints. How can you run so well? And this is what he said, and it stuck with me. I've run every single day of my life since I was 17. My muscles just know how to run. You see, I just wonder if in our Christian life we've got a little bit of atrophy where we haven't been used to training the muscles of thankfulness, where actually our first port of call has been bitterness or anger or jealousy or envy. And maybe God's calling us this morning, remember what it's like to be thankful. Start getting used to using those muscles of thankfulness in your life. Because when you start exercising those muscles, it becomes more natural. And I'll work with you so it's the natural outworking of your life. So when you step into difficult situations, when life doesn't go to plan, you can be my representative in this world. Because you've exercised the muscles of thankfulness. I just wondered this morning, there's a lot of talk, isn't there, about currencies and euros and sterling and what's going to go on in this post-Brexit world. But I wonder this, if thankfulness is the currency that helps you and me trade our way through the whatevers life brings our way to represent him in all we do and say. Yeah? If thankfulness is the currency that helps you and me trade our way through the whatever's life brings our way and represent him in all we do and say. It was the writers of the Hebrews who put it like this. No discipline is pleasant at the time. It's painful. Later on, however, it produces a harvest of righteousness and peace for those who have been trained by it. How are you training the muscles of thankfulness in your life? How are you drawing down on the wardrobe, the kingdom wardrobe that we've been given to wear? How are you representing Jesus when life's going well and when life isn't going to plan? In the whatevers of life, how do you represent Jesus? 
Well, we started off with the bonus edition. You've had the feature film. This is the edited highlights, okay? So 90 seconds, I've summarised the talk in a 90-second poem, and uh, you get to enjoy it. And if you really, really enjoy it, you feel free to clap at the end, okay? <laughs> it does rhyme, promise you. I don't mean to try and be clever. And don't get me wrong, I'm not saying that I never, but if we're going to represent, we've got to endeavour to be people who are thankful whatever. If we want to last the race, keep going forever, be a blessing to others, whoever, wherever. When our whatever leaves us face down, under pressure, needing a pick-me-up or a quick refresher. If our summer feels like a dark November and we could be knocked down easier than a feather. If life feels more like cheap plastic than genuine leather. People do your head in and you can't get on together. I don't mean to try and be clever, and don't get me wrong, I'm not saying that I never, but if we're going to represent Jesus in Tamworth, we've got to endeavour to be people who are thankful, whatever. I hope some of those words, some of those phrases just stick with you this morning. You know, we're called to represent Jesus in the, this world, whatever the circumstances. And I know for some of us that we will be going through some difficult whatevers, <laughs> some difficult times, some difficult situations. And I just wonder if we bow our heads for a moment. Maybe the guys on the worship team want to join me. I'd love to pray for a number of us in the room this morning who maybe are dealing with some difficult challenges, maybe some health challenges, relationship, financial challenges. And I want to pray two things. The first thing I'd love to pray is this, that, that God will transform the circumstances of your life. You know, if you need a breakthrough in a, a relationship or there's a health situation where we, we're desperate for God to heal us and reach in, the first prayer is, God, please come and do that. But you know, the second prayer is almost a bigger miracle. It's this, that even if the circumstances of life don't change, I'm still going to choose to represent Jesus in this world. Even if I find myself in a situation where I don't understand it, and if I had the chance to, to be God, I'd do life differently. But even if I end up where that healing or that change or that transformation doesn't come, I'm still going to choose to represent Jesus. God, give me the strength to train the muscles of thankfulness to represent you. And as our eyes are closed this morning, as the guys just maybe lead us in a, a little bit of worship and a, a thought, I just uh, invite you, if that's you, if there's a circumstance you find yourself in, I'm not going to invite you to come to the front, just where you are. Why don't you just stand to your feet? And, and it's a simple sign to say, please count me into this prayer. Maybe you're just looking at the bank balance this morning thinking, I don't know how I'm going to get to the end of this month. Maybe you're in a situation where you think, I've been suffering in pain or with an illness, and God, I just need you to break into that situation. So right now, wherever you are, whatever that circumstance is, if there's a whatever of life that you just want to bring to God, I just invite you right now where you are to stand to your feet, just as a sign to say, count me in. Count me into this prayer. It's great. A few people standing around the room. Just going to give you a moment to do that. 
And as I say, I'll just pray the same prayer, but almost in two different ways. The first prayer is God reach in and change those circumstances. And the second prayer is this, even if the circumstances don't change, God, please transform me to help me represent you in this world. I realise for many people in this room, you might have been dealing with these circumstances for a while. It's not just like my broken foot, I'm back up and I'm walking again now. These might be lifelong challenges and we're certainly not belittling some of the difficulties we go through. But we are called to draw on this kingdom wardrobe to represent God, whatever the circumstances. So Heavenly Father, for each person here who stood before you this morning... Our first prayer is this, God, come and transform the circumstances of their lives. If you're nearby someone, maybe you just want to pray quietly or lay a hand on them where they are. But Father, we just pray that you change those circumstances where healing is needed. Pour your healing power into people's lives. God, where people need provision, provide for their needs. God, where people need breakthroughs in relationships or employment Whatever the circumstances of life they face, God, please bring transformation by your power. We believe you're a God who changes circumstances. So, God, in, in months to come, in weeks to come, we want to hear testimonies of your breakthrough and provision. But, God, we also pray this, that even in the circumstances of life, if there doesn't seem to be any obvious change, we just pray that we can still choose to serve you, that we can represent you in this world, that people will look at us and say, how can you be so thankful when the circumstances of life are so difficult? And we just say, I'm choosing to represent Jesus. Father, we pray that many conversations will happen in the weeks and months ahead where people will be drawn to you because of these opportunities to serve you, to represent you in this world. So, Father, bring your transformation, but also give us the ability, the strength to represent you despite these circumstances. We ask this in Jesus' name. We ask this for your kingdom. We ask this knowing that you are the God who is in control and can change any circumstances for your glory and your power. Amen. Amen. Amen.